the reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. He's Todd Vandenberg. I'm Rob Steele, and we're going to start with death, because that's what every show should start with these days. Uh, only we're starting with a trailer for death on the Nile, because it's it's a good place to start. We all came from Africa anyway. Let's see. Let's, you know, set off a few latent racists at the beginning of the show, because why not? Death on the Nile, the sequel to uh, Crap, It Just Escaped, Murder on the Orient Express. Like, there's a train, people died. What the hell is it called? Runaway Train. Oh, different movie. Yeah, something like that. I think the trailer looks really good. It's a, it's, you know, that's another whodunit with another all-star cast, really. Um, just to run through those real quick, because you're going to go, wow, all these people in one movie? Tom Bateman, Annette Benning, Russell Brand, Ali Fazal, Don French, Gal Gadot, Army Hammer, Rose Leslie, Emma Mackey, Sophie Oku... O- I'm going to mispronounce your name, and I apologize. Okanodo... Okanet... Yeah, her... Jennifer Saunders, Letitia Wright, and Kenneth Branagh, this time with an actual, real, non-plastic mustache. Nice. Which, to me, that made the trailer. Because that was the one thing I did not like about Murder on the Orient Express. Not that he had the big mustache, but that it was plastic. Or at least looked (laughs) plastic. Um, But yeah, the, the, the trailer for this looks great. It has Depeche Mode as a background music, which is kind of weird, but you know what? It works, even though Depeche Mode wouldn't be around for another, what is it, 70 years Something after like the story? That. Totally works, though. It totally works. So uh, what did you think of the trailer? I wasn't, like, blown away by it, but, it, it, like I said, it's building It's building on the very successful Murdering the Orient Express. All they have to do is set up the fact, oh, it's a murder mystery, and look at the cast, and it absolutely does that really well. I really like the, the Depeche Mode music, I mean, because it's it doesn't fit at all, but it totally works. I mean, basically, it's, it's, it's a signal that this is a little different from what you're going to expect, because you wouldn't expect that with an Agatha Christie thing, and it totally works. I really like it. Yeah, and it's not heavy synthesizer until the end of it. It's more acapella with the lyrics and that's what took me a minute to go i know this i know the lyrics <laughs> hang on a minute that's depeche mode uh and i thought that worked so yay totally. for them totally worked see death with good news how about that um let's follow that with oh why not let's go with olivia Wilde's story of the week and I'll, i have to admit it took me i'm like i know the name and I looked at her picture and I was not placing her because she had long hair. And the last time I remember seeing her, it was really short in Tron. Oh, yeah, her. Got it. Caught up. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's going to be doing a female-centered Marvel movie at Sony, which mm-hmm. sounds a lot like it's going to be. Uh, it, it started off, could it be Spider-Gwen, which I think is a stupid concept anyway, or Spider-Woman, which is an excellent idea and fits her perfectly. Uh, a lot of people are leaning more toward the Spider-Woman part. But one thing I did notice is that it doesn't necessarily say, doesn't necessarily say she's starring in it. She's directing. Right. She's directing. 
which which is awesome. I mean, it would be fine if she starred in it because she's an excellent actress. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and a lot of people know her as an actress and don't know her, of course, as a director, <clears throat> which is okay, but that's going to be changing a- as this goes along. Um, she directed Booksmart, which is an awesome, awesome coming of age movie. It's like, it's kind of like uh, Pineapple Express, you know, where the, where super bad, you know, the, the two guys that are going out and they're just hanging out and they're having weird, wacky adventures and stuff, but it's two girls. And it's more of a comedy drama. It is such, such a good movie. Um, <clears throat> and that's really her, her only other film that she's, that she's directed. She's done some, some shorts other than that. So Booksmart was her debut as far as, you know, a major film. And it is, it's, has a lot of heart to it. It's extremely well paced. Definitely has comedy chops, which totally fits with a spider universe character. Uh, she's perfect for for this. She's perfect for this. <clears throat> so I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, and I hope it's Spider Woman, like you said, and we'll see which one they do. Uh, and I like the character Spider Gwen, but Spider Woman has been around since ooh, was it the late '60s or early '70s? She's been around a long, a time, long time, a long time, <clears throat> and definitely deserves. She even had her own cartoon for a while. Yeah, that a lot of people have forgotten about. Exactly, exactly. And she's a very, very cool character who, oh, yeah. who would always put Spidey in his place in a nice way. So hopefully it's not the Silver, the Silver Sable movie that they've been talking about like for 10,000 years. I really want it to be Spider-Woman because that would be awesome. I did read somewhere where apparently Sony may have said it is not the Silver Sable Black Cat movie. Hopefully. Yeah, because supposedly that's back on. But that was a separate announcement. So and off and on. Right, and exactly. And... It's Sony. It's Sony's version of the New Mutants. <clears throat> Something like that. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna. We said we're looking forward to that. This next one, I'm not so much looking forward to, even if it does have Will Smith and Kevin Hart in it. Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds like it could make a good comedy, and I know that they're remaking a comedy, but I never cared for planes, trains, and automobiles in the first place. You are a heathen. You are an I, absolute heathen. I am. I'm, well, I'm not, a, I, I'm not a fan of either Steve Martin or John Candy. You're a double heathen. I, I, I really am. <laughs> well, this, this may be the version for you, then. I, uh, no. <clears throat> I don't know that. The, can, can we start making movie remaking movies if we're going to from a long time ago? Yeah, I mean, they, they tried it with Casablanca, and it wasn't a good idea. So, um, that's a pretty long time ago. At the you know, as Hollywood goes, that's well, as in, Hollywood go. As please, as Hollywood goes, they're remaking movies that were remade five years ago. Yeah, I mean, literally, it's from another millennium, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So are we. <laughs> Quite true. Yeah, I'm not really thrilled with with it. I like them both. I just don't. And it they could make an excellent movie of that could. property. But I just don't see it as being an improvement. So I would rather they would have just done something different. <coughs> but we'll see. Well, actually, speaking of something different, <clears throat> and I apologize for coughing so much. It's it's an allergy thing. I don't it's have... It's the Rona! No, it's not. 
Um, although this story it's did make me a little bit sick. There's a website that's very popular called Consequence of Sound. And they yes. do a lot of music stuff. And they released this week their list of the top 50 rock and roll movies of all time. And I looked through this list. 150? And most of them aren't rock and roll movies. <laughs> Not surprising. Now, look, Back to the Future was on this list. That's not a, a rock and roll movie. It's a it. There's music in it. You may like the soundtrack. It is not a rock and roll. Movie. Pink Floyd's <laughs> The Wall is a rock and roll. Tommy uh, by The Who, Woodstock, uh, The Beatles, yes. A Hard Day's Night. Those are rock and roll movies. I might even give you Wayne's World. No. Might. I'm he not giving you Forrest Gump. And, uh, well, because because there's Elvis a scene with rock music, I think it's a rock one music. Of Elvis only had one movie in this list. That I'm not sense. a fan of Elvis, but come on, that's a terrible list. Uh, and and I I'm being willing to bet that there are not 50 movies that are rock and roll movies, even though there were a lot of them in the late 50s and 60s. Uh, wow, that's not good. No. I'm disappointed. Back, back to the future. <laughs> but look, future there's a scene. There's a scene where a guy performs. It lasts about seven minutes. It's a rock and roll movie. He's like, no, not really. There. Okay, fine. If you want to play that, La Bamba. Uh, what was it? The uh, that was on the list. The uh, well, the Buddy Holly story. That's a rock and roll movie. Who, I think that was on the list too. So th those. I, well, those Jesus cool. Christ! I would hope so. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, I think, was on the list, but. <laughs> no, uh, guy who played Ant Man, help me out. Paul Drake. No, thank, yeah, Paul Drake. That'll do. <laughs> Rudd. Thank you. He did a movie, and I don't remember. The, I think it was "I Love You, Man" that had Rush in it. Damn it! There's your rock and roll movie. Why was this not on the list? They had an actual rock and roll band in it. <laughs> That's... No, they're not going to make the list. We're going to put Back to the Future. No, you're. Anyway, and Consequence of Sound has some really cool articles, and they have they cool, do all kinds this of cool was not stuff. One of them. Yeah, that's 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 a fail. Absolutely. Sorry. Sorry, peeps. But I think it's a good segue into your first movie. It is a good segue into my first movie. I wonder if that if this movie was on that list. I'll have to check, or perhaps you know. Uh, it, in my head, I don't. Probably not. Uh, depends when they made the list. This. Movie is a definitely a rock and roll movie. It is a documentary, Linda Ronstadt, The Sound of My Voice. Not to be confused with Crystal Gale, like I've done all my life. Don't and ask why. I haven't figured that out yet. I still haven't figured that out because she has much longer hair. So, Linda Ronstadt, <clears throat> for those who may be unaware of her somehow, was the biggest rock star for a period of time. Uh, late 70s, early 80s, and it's an enormous success, as in five platinum albums in a row. That's that, that's impressive. That's pretty good. Uh, she was outselling everybody. And, and some people will say, oh, she's not rock. She's not hard rock, but definitely rock. Um, <clears throat> she then moved on to do some music that she preferred to do just because she, she felt that she'd already done 
this kind of music. She'd done it for a while. She loved doing it. She didn't really like performing in big arenas that much because she was definitely, she was packing stadiums and stuff. And she just felt that you lost that intimacy. You couldn't really connect with the audience. And she didn't really like touring that much. So then she decided that she would make music she wanted to make. And, I, and when she did this, she first did this, I thought, what is she doing? That's insane. She recorded an album of American standards, like stuff that Frank Sinatra would sing. <clears throat> and the record label said, why are you doing this? This is crazy. You can't do this. And who would you possibly get that? Well, one of her favorite songs, Nelson Riddle had done an arrangement, who was a composer, arranger, orchestra leader, orchestra leader for decades. He had done an arrangement for an album that Frank Sinatra did that she really, really liked. And she said who she was talking to her, her record producer, not the studio executive, which was Warner Records at the time. And he said, who, who's out there like Nelson Riddle? And he says, well, why don't you get Nelson Riddle? And she thought he had passed away because he'd been around for so long. She just didn't know. So she contacted him and they got together and he did the, the arrangements. And it's one of the, at the time, it was the best-selling uh, American Standards album of all time. Like beat Frank Sinatra, like beat all those people that you think of that make that kind of music, the 40s, 50s music. So then, and, and the record labels, they did put it out. And when he heard that he, she got Nelson Riddle, he said, well, okay, I guess so. And then, of course, he was very happy to be wrong, which he admits in the documentary. And then later she felt, because she's at her, she's actually, even though her name is Ronstadt, she's actually uh, Mexican-American. That's her heritage. And she thought, you know what? My dad sang the mariachi music. That was really great. Uh, I want to I cut an album of that. Again, it's like, what the hell are you doing? You've done five platinum albums, and then you decided, oh, I'll make some American standards, which sold like crazy. And then she wants to do a mariachi album. It's like, but at this point, they said, okay, because they figured she's going to do it anyway. They're not going to talk her out of it. It'll probably sell. Yeah. So she records the album, and she went on tour with this, with, with, with a mariachi band, and of course it sold like crazy, and because she's got this amazing voice, one of the best voices ever. Uh, absolutely incredible voice. Two awesome things about this documentary. It has a lot of concert footage of her from back before she was in the Stone Ponies, which was her first group, before she went solo, which was at the insistence of Surprise, a record company. Um, and there's lots of, because as there should be a lot of interviews with her at, at different points of her life. Some of them are from back in that time period. And she admits that she had uh, recorded a song with the Stone Ponies and she really liked the sound of it. And this producer comes in and says, no, we're going to do this as a solo. And they bring in an orchestra and there's violins and, and she thought, no, this, is, this isn't right. This isn't right at all. And then when she heard the finished product and saw the sales, she realized, okay, I guess you guys know what you're doing. Despite that, despite that, and she didn't ever write any, any of her songs. So, and that was one of the knocks against her. It's like, well, okay, she's a great singer, but she can't do this. It's like, yeah. She doesn't have to. She doesn't have to. <laughs> um, but she did get a lot of credit from a lot of people in other than that one incident, 
of saying, no, this is how the song should, this is how it should go. This is how the flow should be and all the rest of it. So she did a lot of kind of on the fly arranging basically is how it's put up. Uh, lots of interviews with people like Dolly Parton, uh, Bonnie Raitt, uh, J.D. Southern, lots, lots of major people at the time. Um, and it's nothing but praise, not just for her singing ability, but for her as a person, which is really nice to hear because, you know, sometimes celebrities and we hear about them, we think, oh, that must be really cool. And then you find out, oh, no, they're like closet Nazis or something. But she was genuinely a super and is, I should say, a super wonderful person. The sad part of this is, is that she no longer sings. She hasn't done that for about 10 years because Parkinson's. Ouch. So that has ruined the control of her voice. But there's a very sweet moment at the end of the film where she's singing with uh, her nephew and her uncle. And they're just sitting on the couch in, I think, the nephew's house, just singing some traditional song, a traditional Mexican song, I should say. And her voice isn't great anymore, no, by no means. But it's so sweet because that's what she it's that's what it is all about to her. And she says that it's all about singing. It's not about touring. It's not about making a lot of money, which I'm sure she was happy to have. But it's just the act of singing. So even though she can't perform anymore, it's really sweet that you see her singing. Um, and, you know, at the end of the film. And it's just such a great document of her career and her as a person. It's just absolutely fascinating. Really, really love this movie it's 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 sad that she doesn't sing that she can't you know sing anymore the way we used to hear her obviously but it's still really uplifting because she's still happy and she's a she's come to terms with well this is how it is and you know she doesn't she misses singing the way she used to but she still sings with family which is the most important thing to her so highly recommend linda ronstadt the sound of my voice it's available on lots of different streaming services and it may cost you three or four bucks to rent it if you like music period regardless of whether you like linda ronstadt or not absolutely worth watching highly sounds, recommended i actually like the sound of that yeah it's really ah, very well done <laughs> it, 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 here's a segue ready it sounds quite interesting which, oddly enough, is the name of the first thing I wanted to get a review in on. <laughs> okay. Although it's not actually called Quite Interesting, although that's what it stands for. It's called QI, and I don't know that we've ever reviewed something like this before. It's, it is a TV show. It comes from the BBC. You can <laughs> find it on YouTube for now. It's an awesome show. It, it's a game show, kind of. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> um. <clears throat> you, start with, you have your host, which originally was Stephen Fry, uh, mm -hmm. has moved over to Sandy Toxvig, who is all equally funny, I think. I've always liked Sandy Toxvig back from when she was on uh, the British version of Whose Line Is It Anyway back in the uh, 90s. <clears throat> but uh, you get four usually British uh, comedians, occasionally actors, and they it, it's such a bizarre quiz show where even the audience participates uh, at times and you you can learn a lot of really bizarre facts on this show <laughs> yes you can but it's it's fun <laughs> um 
anyway, just wanted to throw that out because I've been watching that a lot lately. <clears throat> yeah, my daughter will will message me about something that she just saw in QI every once in a while. It's like, okay, <laughs> it's a, it and, is a hilarious show. It's awesome, and I love the way they're doing the seasons. And you can tell how many seasons there are by uh, not by the season number, but by the season letter, <clears throat> which I think is it's an interesting way of doing it. Uh, right now they're doing, I think they just finished season R. Would you say it's quite interesting? I'd say um, it's quite interesting. The, uh, season all like season R, one of the episodes is called radioactive and all the questions are about radioactive stuff or rubbish. Everything is about trash. Um, <laughs> probably has a lot of politicians. There you go. Previous season was Q. Previous season was P. You get the idea. And it works. <clears throat> Could we do this as an American show? No, we're not bright enough. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm just throwing quite th- quite likely true. Unfortunately. <clears throat> we'd have to go back to let's say the forties or so to find comedians that were smart enough to be on that. And that's where my next movie is from. Ta da. Actually, it's not even just one movie. It's a series of movies. And yes, I went back this week and watched a lot about Dick Tracy. Yes, based on the comic strip of the same name. And no, not the, was it the, like, 8990 version with Warren Beatty and Madonna. Not those. No, no, no. I went back to 1945 with Morgan Conway as Dick Tracy. And the first one had Mike Masruki as split face yeah he'd be the bad guy he would be um, also a big bad guy yeah he's a i mean it's a 1940s murder mystery without all the gadgets that i've come to expect with a dick tracy thing so it, didn't he have <clears throat> and back me up on this I, I did not get a chance to look this bit up didn't he have like flying shoes or a flying car or something. I don't remember if he had that. He had the, the two-way wristwatch radio. Yeah. Um, no, he did I, have I a looked, lot of other gadgets, though. Uh, uh, you know, Bond-type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I looked at this, and those didn't come around until the 60s. That's what I was thinking, that they weren't until, like, <clears throat> when we were reading Dick Tracy. No. I, I did remember him having a girlfriend, and she's in the movie, played by Ann Jeffries. Yay. Uh, and he had a son... Kind of, well, someone he called Junior. I couldn't tell if it was actually his son or if that was a nickname. It was a kid that lived with him. You. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I um, think maybe it was a nephew or some kind of crap. Well, actually, sure. and the kid, and this was this was weird. The kid ended up marrying Moon Maid. That's right. I'm not her, sure who that is, but that's where the gadgets came from. She's from the moon. She had well, antenna. I, my point. But, uh, yeah, I couldn't. Fi- I found where she came from. I couldn't find where he came from. <clears throat> anyway, we're <laughs> off the subject. It's not a long. The first one's not a long movie. It's just over an hour, but it's a series of them, and it's it's not bad for for today, even really. Uh, yes, all the cars look old because they are, and that's that's my one thing that I never understood about these, is <clears throat> all of the cars look exactly the same. So every so often, run to the car, follow that car. Which one, Dick? They all look the same. And I can get away with saying that on this show because that's his name. <laughs> Probably was the same car over and over. I'm just, Low, it, it, didn't it, it have a big budget. 
But I mean, there are no computers because it's the 1940s, but this could easily be updated uh, for today. And the gadgets are not necessary. It's just a good old fashioned murder mystery. Uh, yeah, we find out who did it early. Yeah, it was split face. I already told you that it's not a spoiler, but we find out why. And why he has the name he does, it's not hard to figure that out. But you can oh, find man. that on YouTube. Uh, the free YouTube, I might point out, not the have-to-pay-for-it one. And uh, there's uh, four movies on there, including Dick Tracy versus Gruesome, uh, where Gruesome is played by Boris Karloff. Nice. Uh, yes, all these films are in black and white. Uh, yes, you're going to be really annoyed by the character of Vitamin. I didn't name him. Uh, it's the 1940s and yes i'm going to recommend <clears throat> excuse me i am going to recommend the entire series and even though, even though i just found a fifth one uh just before the show started it's a compilation called dick tracy versus the versus crime inc but it's a compilation of uh, ser- uh the trailer serials not trailers serials that they would run in, back in the movies a uh, long time ago. And this compilation is three and a half hours long. So no, I didn't get to watch that one before the move, the, the show started. <laughs> Sorry, but you know what? It looks just the same as the other ones. Cause I did skip through it a bit. So I'm going to recommend it. So uh, take that Todd five movies and a TV show. And uh, I heard you still have another one. I do have another one. Tom Conway, uh, by the way, was around. You didn't say Tom Conway, right? Uh, Morgan Conway. Morgan Conway, sorry. I wonder if they were brothers. Anyway, Tom Conway is a different dude, obviously, because he ain't got the name Tom. I did watch a different film, and it's another documentary. And in this case, it is not a happy film. It's a very good movie, but it's not a happy film. This is called Merchants of Doubt. This came out in 2016, so it's fairly recent. And what they talk about is still very important and still what's going on. So this is basically about the spin that corporations or political groups, whatever, will put on things to basically hide the truth and make people think of make people think that things aren't happening that really are. Uh, it basically centers on climate change. But it also deals with a couple other topics. It starts out <clears throat> talking about climate change, but then it goes back to the cigarette companies. <clears throat> now, back in the 50s, the cigarette companies and through the 60s and into the 70s, they were desperately fighting for their survival as corporate entities because they're people. Uh, they weren't then, but they are now. And, and because their product was killing people. And they knew it. And they wanted to deny it, so they hired a PR film firm that made a film, but they hired a PR firm to help them lie in new and creative, fun ways. So they would have all different kinds of spin, and they would have all these people saying, it's like, well, it hasn't been com- conclusively proven. It was like, which even wasn't even true. But that was their, their story. And they're sticking to it. And they are still sticking to it. Uh, finally, it was just a few years ago that it was ruled in court that they had to make a commercial announcing that cigarettes can kill you. This is, I believe it was in 53 when the first report came out. It was either 53 or 55. 
that cigarettes were harmful and could eventually kill you. And so they fought that for decades. The same firms are is still around. These firms, they specialize basically in lying to the public. Um, so again, this, this centers on climate change. Uh, one little, uh, and if you don't believe in climate change, do some reading of actual documents, not the spin that assholes like this put out. Uh, a little aside, they, they jump into a campaign to save fire retardant chemicals in furniture. Now this sounds really bizarre, but they were tests that came out that all these fire retardants that they put in the stuffing of your couch and stuff like that uh, was dangerous and kids would get exposed to it because kids screw around, they tear stuff up and things get old. And even it just seeps through the cloth and there's a lot of carcinogens in there. And the companies that make that, not the companies that make the furniture, the companies that make the chemicals that make foam fire retardant, we're going to lose a lot of money because that's a huge customer base. So they started this campaign. One of their, uh, it was called Citizens for Fire Safety. This was this group, and it has the lovely picture of the of the kids holding up the sign "Fire Safety" that they drew themselves, except it looked photoshopped. <laughs> And they made a mistake because the reporters, there were two reporters from Chicago who were doing, working on this story for two years because even though the statements came out, studies came out that the chemicals that they were putting in the stuff that we sit on every day could seep out of it and eventually give you cancer, no laws were passed against it. And they thought, okay, what's going on with this? So they checked into Citizens for Fire Safety, this organization in California. Problem is... If you don't have more than 50 members, you have to publicly disclose who the members are. And the members were the three biggest manufacturers of chemicals of fire retardants, and those were the only members. Again, corporate entities. No actual people, just three corporations that were selling the chemicals, which can kill you if they leak out of your furniture. So yay, fun. So oh, finally, they passed the law, said, oh, guess what? You don't have to do this. The lovely thing about this... <clears throat> As I kept on citing this this report that this uh, chemist had done about showing how, oh, this these foam mattresses, they can go up just like that. This actually all started, oddly enough, or not oddly, by the cigarette companies, because the most of the fires that started on furniture were caused by people smoking cigarettes and forgetting them, and the cigarette catches, keeps on burning because they wouldn't go out. They would just keep on burning. So instead of... Isn't that how Queen Elizabeth set fire to Windsor Castle? Sure. Actually, I have no idea, but it sounds oh. good. That's how a lot of people set fire to a lot of things. <laughs> and so it's, instead of actually making a cigarette that would go out by itself, because they said they couldn't do it, which is false, they invested in these companies to make more money to make your furniture fire retardant. Instead of actually fixing the problem, oh, let's do something else which will keep it. And then they blamed the people for, for smoking for doing that, even though they're the ones selling the cigarettes. <clears throat> well, the guy who did the study that showed that these, fire ma these foam mattresses would catch fire said, yeah, they will catch fire. The problem is they don't just self-ignite. The problem is 
people fall asleep and have leave cigarettes. So just make cigarettes that don't do that. You don't have to have the fire retardant chemicals, which by the way, do cause cancer. He wasn't saying that they were a good thing. He just said, look, this burns, this doesn't, that was it. So they misused his research, which is what all of these companies are constantly doing. Uh, they had the Kyoto conference back in the, uh, was it the nineties or two thousands, not sorry, 2007, I believe. So, uh, this is, again, we are on the path to solving the problem, taking little baby steps towards not being stupid and trying to kill ourselves. And this petition came up, and they talk about this petition. From the Oregon Institute of Science and Medicine. Sounds really great. It's not really even much of a real thing. And they had 31,000 scientists sign this petition saying that climate change is a hoax, et cetera, et cetera. Problem is, there weren't 31,000 scientists that's, that signed it, and there were a lot of people that actually didn't even sign it. There were 31,000 signatures, but not 31,000 people that signed it because they had no way to verify uh, those signatures, and they didn't care. The, the category, they said you had to have an undergraduate degree in some science to sign it. They didn't check to see if you actually had that. They just did that. And they had a lot of fake signatures like uh, Michael J. Fox. Someone signed as Michael J. Fox. He didn't sign it. Uh, Professor Jerry Hallowell, as in that Spice Girl. She's yeah. not a doctor. So, yeah, she didn't sign Although it. Although she, she's one of the people who fights for climate change control. Yeah. Stuff. So it's hmm. – and, and this is a lot of this crap that the people who are fighting against climate change, who are fighting against – stopping climate change Two the two leading figures are physicists <clears throat> which is cool they're physicists are they climatologists nope okay so you're a physicist why would you have any knowledge of what's going on with this you wouldn't turns out both of them were on the payroll of either rj reynolds or philip morris the two biggest tobacco companies from back in the 70s again why would they be in the payroll because they can put PhD after their name and they can say, oh, this doesn't cause cancer. In the 70s, one of them got a $240,000 paycheck for basically saying, oh, cigarette smoking won't kill you. It's like, he's a physicist. What the hell would he know about it? So basically, these guys just lie for profit and they help the merchants of doubt. The, the title comes from the fact that there's a document from the PR firm that worked for the tobacco companies that said, our product is doubt, and that's what they're selling. That's all they're trying to sell. They're just trying to sell the fact that, well, if we can make you think about it, which, hmm, what political figure can I think of now that does exactly this? So, it, Ooh, is he orange with white stripes? He could be. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's not a fun documentary to watch, but it's <clears throat> very eye-opening. And it deals, again, it deals with much more than climate change. It deals with toxic chemicals pharmaceutical companies, the tobacco companies, and it's just their game is to make you doubt it and just to lie, and they don't care what the lie is because they'll just come up with a new lie. So not a fun experience at all, but I do highly recommend Merchants of Doubt also available on a lot of uh, streaming services, and it's also it's free on IMDb TV, which is Amazon Prime's free 
streaming service. You just go to Amazon and you can find IMDb TV and you can watch it there. So it sounds um, like we're back to death, which is where we yeah. start. See, we we, we've, we've come we full circle death. again. Only we started with happy death and ended with not Bad as death. much. Not as happy death, indeed. Death, death. Damn it, we mentioned the orange prick. That's the yeah. other show. Anyway. Yeah, well. <clears throat> you know what? We've given you, what, seven movies and a TV show that has, what the, let's see, tw- 20 seasons of stuff to watch. We've given you plenty this week. Yes. And, and we, we you don't have to go anywhere report. to watch it. We expect a full report by next week's show. Yeah, that that we do. Watch them all. So, you know what? Stay home and watch a TV show or a movie. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am very disappointed. Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, eh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone. My country.